1: Rosie look at you Bill Burr you're covered in little burrs whoa where have you been hang on stay still let me get these out running my hands through Rosie's luxuriant coat trying to extract the burrs checking for the ticks is that a tick under your tummy there Oh no, that's just a nipple. (laughs) I apologise. Go free! Run! Explore! Hey, how you doing, podcats? Adam Buxton here, taking a walk with my dog friend in East Anglia, UK. I hope you're doing well, wherever you are. Hey, if you're one of the people that listened to the ad, I put up last week about bug shows... And you bought tickets to come along to the BFI last Friday. Thanks so much for coming along. I hope you had a good time. I enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to seeing some more of you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, on the 15th at the BFI when we'll repeat the show. Thereafter, I'll be at the Brighton Comedy Festival and... Blue Dot Festival. Details on my website, adam-buxton.co.uk. I'll put a link in the description. Now, that's okay. You're welcome. It's fine. Anyway, Shush, I know you just want to get to Tash Dimitriou. For those of you not so familiar with Tash, let me just give you a, a short introduction to her and some of her achievements thus far, career-wise. Tash Facts. Natasia Charlotte Dimitriou, currently aged 38, I believe, was born and raised in North London, the daughter of an English mother and a Greek Cypriot father. Her brother is actor and comedian Jamie Dimitriou, with whom she performed in the sketch troupe Comedy Biscuit while studying at Bristol University. In 2009... Comedy Biscuit made their Edinburgh Fringe debut and quickly garnered positive attention. Tash did some solo shows in the years thereafter at Edinburgh, but by 2015, Tash and Jamie were appearing in a pilot for a comedy sketch show called People Time on BBC3 TV, along with past guests Ellie White and Claudia O'Doherty, as well as comedians Liam Williams, Alistair Roberts and Darren Johnson. In 2018, the first series of Jamie Dimitriou's sitcom Staff Let's Flats, about a family-run estate agents, started airing on Channel 4, with Tash playing Stath's sister, Sophie, and Ellie White as Sophie's friend, Katia. Stath Let's Flats won three BAFTAs in 2020 following its second series. Since 2019, Tash has starred alongside past guests Matt Berry and Kay Van Novak as Nadia, a Greek-Romany vampire in FX horror-comedy What We Do in the Shadows, created by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi, based upon their 2014 film of the same name. Also in 2019, Tash and Ellie White starred in and wrote a pilot for a BBC3 sketch show called Ellie and Natasha*. A series was commissioned which has just started airing on BBC3 As I Speak, Link to the iPlayer page in the description. The Guardian's Rachel Aroestes says, from its scalpel-sharp satire to the minutely observed character comedy, Natasha Dimitriou and Ellie White's new series is a rare joy that recalls the greats. It's a good review, and I've put a link in the description to that. Rosie, don't roll around in the thing. Oh, you donkey. <laughs> wow, she's having a good old roll. What are you rolling in, though? I don't want to know. What is it? Oh, it's the remains of a dead bird. Maybe it's the new sexy smell in the animal world. From Yves saint le Dog, Tries the new exciting fragrance of Loiseau-Mort. The smell that reminds you... But now you may be flying high, but one day you will be on the ground with a dog rolling on top of you. Lois mort. My conversation with Tash was recorded face-to-face in April of this year, 2022. Uh, we got together in London, and it was very good to see Tash again after a while. hadn't seen her face-to-face since before the pandemic. We talked about why actors don't want their wigs glued down, whether Tash had fun at the BAFTAs, why her new sketch show isn't just called Ellie and Tash, why one of the things you have to watch out for if you go to the theater is the cauliflowers, what it's like being away from home for long periods to film what we do in the shadows in Canada, and the relative merits of ass milk. And uh, I mean, there was more than that, obviously, but that's just some of the things. We skidded around quite a bit, as you will hear, which gave me an opportunity to put in far more jingles than I normally would. But I began by setting up the microphones and in classic sound person style, asking Tash what she had for breakfast in order to test the levels. And that led to some colorful egg chat. I'll be back at the end for a tiny bit more waffle and some recommendations but right now with Tash Dimitriou here we go
2: boiled it myself i put some pepper on the egg and i ate it up
1: what's your egg boiling technique
2: you're going to take it out the packet you're going to put it in a pan you're going to pour the water around the eggs not onto the eggs because you pour them onto the eggs you're going to crack that egg and then you leave it in there for as long as you feel and then you um take them out put some cold water on it pop them back in the carton put it in the fridge and it really annoys your flatmate because they think that there's fresh eggs in there and they try and crack them and they not they hard Hang on a second. You you can't just put them in there. For oh, we we've,
1: we've actually unspecified it. amount of
2: time. We've started, and I'm t- <laughs> I'm back. I'm back on the podcast, and I'm talking about eggs.
1: Yeah, this is it's egg chat because everything egg. else as talking points is too problematic. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep it light because the world's so.
2: Yeah, no, I totally get that. gnarly. I'm like the I, as I said, I sent you a thing before we started saying the only things I will discuss: eggs, soup, chickens. <laughs> alive chickens chicken sort of personalities
1: yes not the eating of chickens can I admit to you at this point that I've done no preparation because I thought well we're at the point now this is your fourth number four appearance on the podcast Mm, mm. and I felt like we're beyond preparation
2: Um, cut to this being the last podcast I do because there's nothing to talk about no we don't need to prepare we don't need to prepare (laughs) We don't need to preparate our conversations.
1: Uh all right. I think we're good to go. Wow, we I mean we already had about three or four promising conversational avenues there. <laughs> Let's barrel through them quickly. I started by asking you as a mic check what you'd had for breakfast. You told me you had eggs. Yeah. And I asked you what your preparation technique was.
2: Um for me, I really like, I think with cooking, it's so instinctual. <laughs> and for me, when it comes to egg, it's just something that just speaks in my heart. I have an inner egg timer and it just it's like, she's ready. The egg is ready. You know,
1: Really? You just, you feel it?
2: Oh, God, I feel it. Yeah. I mean, I feel it by going, wow, that's been 45 minutes. If those eggs aren't boiled in there, that is one sloppy chicken.
1: Are you going for hard boiled eggs then? Oh,
2: yeah. I can't deal with the yolk. Oh, well,
1: that's the question I should have <laughs> asked originally. Of course, oh. you're not timing it.
2: <laughs> You're just leaving them in there and going about your life. Yeah, no, that's, oh God, I can't be doing with this. It gives me, it literally, thinking about it gives me a headache. It's so <laughs> thick and yellow. <laughs> it's so on. Oh, it's like, what is the flavor? The flavor to me is like headache. Like the flavor to me is like pain mixed with paracetamol, mixed with like room temperature water you found in your room to take some. It's like, <sighs> and when people are like, mm, a lovely jammy yolk. <laughs> but then, um,
1: a lot of people don't like boiled eggs. Though a lot of people find boiled eggs too backpackerish well, and stinky.
2: I tell you who's getting further, backpackers, because they're walking ages, and you're just sat at home with your like jammy eggs, sat down and your lazy assholes. What
1: what are you doing? How are you eating the boiled egg? Then are you? Slicing it up, are you putting a bit of mayonnaise on there, some salt and pepper, a bit of sriracha? Oh
2: yeah, sriracha. I like pepper. No, I'm not turning it into egg mayonnaise because it's an entire different meal. I'm just going, I need protein. Hmm. Um I'm eating too many potatoes on the hour every hour. Let's let's take out a potato, let's pop in an egg. And I'm having it with some salad. It's it's a great snack Actually, it's because I'm vegetarian. I, with Ellie White, who I write stuff with, our snack would be we'd buy a scotch egg, she'd have the meat, and I'd have the egg.
1: (laughs) How does she do it? You slice it in half. i she's actually
2: vegetarian now, so this is is blasphemous. This is in the
1: olden days. This
2: is in the olden days before I was proved right.
1: You would slice it in half, and you you suck out the egg, and then she gets to work on it. And I do
2: suck. I yeah. do suck the hard boiled egg. It's a really great way of eating it. It gets right in your throat, right into your stomach, and comes out whole. Do you do that thing
1: where th- my son showed me on the internet the other day where they where they roll it around so the shell is all fractured mm. and then they blow through it and the whole egg shoots out?
2: I have never tried that, but you know what you know how this girl's spending her Jubilee.
1: I think I'm right in saying that. Did I imagine That's it?
2: like a That's like a Greek, that's like, so in, in for Cypriot Greek Easter, they do a thing where they um, blow the egg out of the egg and then paint the eggshells. And it was always so disappointing where it was like, it's Greek Easter. And I was like, great, more chocolate. But it was like, no, here's an eggshell that stinks of egg and you can paint it. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Happy Christos <laughs> Agnesti. But yeah, no, we would buy the egg, rip the meat off because a lot of times we'd be like, out and about you know just like writing or just so such greedy pigs that we were so hungry we'd go to the co-op buy a couple of scotch eggs rip the meat off she'd get a little sachet of Helmand's mayonnaise she'd be you know putting that on the meat and i was just popping an egg and also i don't really like the yolk, so i would often be like taking popping the yolk out popping the egg right <laughs> But
1: weren't you appalled by the, wasn't there any kind of meaty residue on the egg flesh?
2: Uh, no, and that's the beautiful thing about a Scotch egg. If you're getting them cheap enough, the meat is almost like a jelly yeah. that keeps itself to itself and is leaving that egg well alone. Right, and it's, did, it's do like I...
1: spermicidal jelly <laughs> in the Scotch egg. <laughs> Wow. A Scotch egg is really, when you think about it, it's quite a philosophical quandary.
2: It really is. There's a lot going on with the Scotch egg, but it was a great snack. She got something out of it. Zero waste. Apart from me throwing the yolk away sometimes if I felt a bit too egg bound. (laughs) And um, literally thinking about doing this podcast again, I was like, this time you're going to go on. You're going to like talk about some really great things come across as really philosophical. We can do that later. And stoic. And we are straight. We can do it. No, we shouldn't.
1: Um, Blowing egg through shell. All right, I'm Googling blowing a hard boiled egg out of its shell, listeners, just to prove to myself that I wasn't imagining it. I'll put the link in the description of the podcast, but here, Tash, is what you're dealing with. Oh, God. It's in slow motion. So he's basically rolled the hard-boiled egg around so that the shell is all soft and fractured.
2: The lungs of an athlete, though, there. Yeah. That is... It's so hard these days, isn't it? Is it impressive? (laughs) Because I think a lot of things get get put into impressive when they should be in... um, what What a complete pointless waste of the sacred gift of life.
1: Yes, well, God. I mean, you're basically getting rid of the whole internet (laughs) if you start going down that route.
2: (laughs) Well, you're getting rid of me, basically, because my entire life is blowing an egg through a shell.
1: We are, yes, we're sort of... um, Well, we're talking about it on a podcast, which Mm. in itself is a Mm. sort of inessential Mm -hmm. enterprise.
2: I'm just reading about... I'm reading the details because I wanted to get it right. There is a thing on Easter. It's it's really weird because I I identify, probably I identify myself as adjacent to a sort of egg. (laughs) And... And also probably a red egg. And I just was like thinking about that in my head when we were talking. I was like, it's funny talking about eggs because you do really feel like a bit like a sort of an egg sometimes. And then I remembered there was a game on Greek Easter called the Red Egg Game. Koki Navga. And they're dyed with onion skins. Wow. God, Greek people love to stay medieval, don't they? (laughs) There's nail varnish these days, guys. There's OPI red. Big apple red, for God's sake.
1: They're painting the shells, not the. And the red colour
2: symbolises the blood and sacrifice of Christ on the cross, and the egg symbolises the rebirth.
1: Mm. They're very (laughs) symbolic eggs, obviously.
2: Which is why I relate to them. I am sort of, I'm quite a symbolic shape and person. The first rogue egg that is dyed is considered to be the egg of the Virgin Mary and is saved in the home for protection against the evil eye until the next year when a new egg is dyed. Mic drop. (laughs) <laughs> from the red egg.
0: The holiday horn it goes to do. Holiday time. Have a carrot. Have two carrots. Go to the toilet. Take your time. Holiday
1: time. So what I might do in this podcast, it depends how it goes. Like recently I've been having conversations that are more or less coherent so that I use less jingles but I oh, feel like this shame. might be a nice opportunity to use more jingles, jingles. cover and, cover the cracks and just have random chat nuggets
2: you do whatever you want and I know for a fact as I know a lot of people who adore you it's the jingles they're coming back for the jingles man they ain't not come back for the chat yeah I don't care what these idiots have to say
1: it's true isn't it although I do feel bad that I make less new jingles because ever since I got this recording contract, I keep saving every new bit of music as a potential album track. But then I was looking on the internet recently, and I think the YouTube algorithm knows, obviously, that I'm a nerdy, indie music, white man, tit face. (laughs) And so it sends (laughs) me other people of my own kind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Beautiful. So all I get in the sidebar is little american nerd boys Mm -hmm. deconstructing music
2: oh of course analyzing
1: it but there's lots of people i've noticed who are just incredibly talented doing these shows about here's how you become ed sheeran here's how ed sheeran songs work and they analyze them and play typical chord progressions sing like ed sheeran Mm. then do a parody song i'm thinking of one guy in particular a guy called steve something berry I'll put a link in the description and it's amazing though like they're so good wow these parodies and he's really talented and I'm thinking oh my god one of this guy's parody songs is better than (laughs) anything that I'm gonna put on a record
2: no it's subjective yeah I guess it's subjective anything i don't I don't really have any sage words to make you feel better, but it's subjective, and you were talking then, but I was sleeping because everything <laughs> you were saying was boring me so much. <laughs> what you couldn't hear was I <laughs> the listeners won't be able to hear this but I was asleep when you were telling me that I was like everything you said, I thought I couldn't give a shit.' <laughs>
1: I was wondering if you were thinking that because that's what you look like. I could,
2: I can't. I was like, everything you said, I was like, there's my accent. Nah, he's moved on. He's saying something about a chord progression. I don't get back to the eggs. Get back to the eggs.
0: This amazing song just flopped into my mind today. Like I was channeling Paul McCartney and Beyonce. I just recorded it, and it's turned out perfect. Making timeless music's usually hard, but this was easy. This song is so great that it makes everyone feel good. And that means monetization, opportunities for me. Magic music moment, thanks for... TikTok and TV Magic music moments I'm such a lucky guy Cause everyone is gonna love this fucking song I'm gonna make a job
2: That's the thing with television on the whole, I think. I'm going to jump in and make a really boring, de- yeah. depressing thing. It There is so much stuff being made. Yeah. I, it's it's too much choice. It's too stressful. We have so many endless choices. Like, I film what we do in the shadows in Toronto, which is a place where a lot of stuff is filmed because of their tax breaks. Like a little ka-ching sound effects. No. Yeah. <laughs> I just hit the microphone. You can cha-ching. So lots of stuff is filmed there. And, like... The amount of productions that the like, because a lot of the crew on the show will have done like a million other productions during the year, will be doing dailies on other productions. And you're like, Oh, you know, the show The Cups, for instance. <laughs> oh, they're doing a spin off show called The Spoons. And you're like, What? I didn't even know The Cups was, they made a show called The Cups. They're like, Yeah, no, it's like about a family of like superhero cups. They use milk to like kill baddies.
1: That is good to go, that show. It's good to I go. can imagine it. There's the snooty wine glass, the champagne flute they live next door, the wine glass and the champagne flute. Yeah, the
2: sort of old like the sort of old like Scottish whiskey glass.
1: <laughs> There's the hipster uh, guy who is just an old In jam a... <laughs> jar.
2: A really annoying activist who's a reused like coke can, who's like, "Guys."
1: There's the Starbucks cups, they come along. Oh, fucking hell, this is good to this go. This is
2: really good to go. Come on, This Pixar. is what I mean. Yeah, I'm surprised I'm not getting a call right now saying, let's make it because we just got to make loads of TV. And I think a lot about the amount of wigs that are out there. Because I used to do hair and makeup. I could spot a wig from a mile off. And I'm like, wow. Like, she's just wearing a wig that's really similar to her actual hair, but she probably just can't be bothered to wash it. You know, she's got really early starts. She's made 25 other TV shows this year. So she said, get me a wig. And you're like, where's the hair coming from? (laughs) <laughs> There's going to be a shortage because you can't have acrylic wigs really for like proper gritty TV. It needs to look real. So that hair's come from someone's head. Where are the wigs coming? But where from?
1: does the hair normally come from? Real we're talking long
2: wigs, like long, you know, like long wigs.
1: Yeah, but but still women go and they have their or all men with long hair go and they have their hair cut off.
2: Yeah, but we're talking Like, usually people go for a trim on average, right? People aren't going and getting 21 inches cut off.
1: I remember I had to get a wig for Stardust. I was in the film Stardust. Oh,
2: I remember. Oh, I loved that film.
1: And I was shocked by how expensive the wig was. It was... They made me a wig, real hair, etc. And I don't know what the etc is for. It's just real hair. And afterwards I said, oh, can I buy the wig? Because I'd love to use it for a character I'm doing for live stuff and they said yeah sure it'll be 1500 pounds oh god yeah so i'm just thinking when the prices are so high you could presumably just go to someone who has very long hair and say hey look do you want 200 quid and cut off all your hair oh, that's
2: what they're doing that's right. exactly what but also that person's then got to knot that hair into some net to plonk it on your head yeah yeah we've gone down an avenue to do it with wigs it's not that fruitful but I just think it's just it's about like you know forget wigs is the, is literally the tip of the headberg of actors in TV shows so much TV being made friend was well my friend was in a relationship with a quite a big film director
1: Mm, steven spielberg
2: yep obviously and he was doing a sort of sci-fi high cgi type show Mm -hmm. film film and so you know when you go into one of those like special effects units buildings businesses they have all the films they're working on at the time and they had his film and like you know star wars type films like big sci-fi type things and the other that one of the posters was of it's complicated <laughs> <laughs> with Meryl Streep <laughs> and um, that was all CG no but it was so much CG too and a lot of older actors will say to you don't let them cut your wig lace because then they have to go in and CGI your forehead and like while they're there they may as well take out some wrinkles
1: what's wig lace
2: so we're back to wigs yeah when you have a Professional like wigs have a lace front so when they glue it to your head you can't see it so if it's like a wig with no fringe right? For instance, sadly you could I've said this now it's probably going to ruin films for everyone because like you can always see it I think
1: yeah you definitely can yeah, I'm thinking can... as you're saying it like oh yeah I know what you're talking about I see it all the
2: time yeah so it's like you glue it especially with... on beards exactly so that's how a lace front wig is like the most expensive wig because it's it gives you those natural edges but you have to glue down a bit of The wig. Right. And um, a lot of actors have given me advice of the year, saying, don't let them glue it down. It sort of sticks up. So then you obviously have to, they have to see you either out. You just go, no, no, I don't want the glue. The glue hurts my skin.
1: Well, what are you supposed to do? It's just going to be flapping around if you don't glue it down.
2: Yeah. And then they have to go in and touch it up. Like you know, it does. It won't. It's lace. It's like. Got oh right, stiffened. so you're
1: trying to get some CG yeah, on, on your face to, to
2: get some CG. It's like don't let them glue it down because then you get that CG. Then you get
1: some CG attention unless you don't. <laughs> you know, because I watch a lot of TV shows and films where I just think that is a bad
2: beard job. Yeah, in fairness, the makeup artists, my people, my my, yeah. my my gals, my boys, it's HD. They didn't HD. consult the lace industry. The wig, lace, and 4K. For 4K. It's
1: 8K in the movies, isn't it?
2: Something oh, is like. it? It's a okay, load it's of K. It's too many K. It's
1: a lot of special K. The other thing, though, is TVs that have that terrible setting that makes everything look like home video. Do you know what I'm talking about?
2: I think I do. Is it that thing where you're like, why does it feel like I'm in the room with, like, yeah. why is it like I'm watching my dad, like, pass me a bowl of crisps like no 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 it's really weird i would say a lot of the progress in technology is actually regressive and we were just talking about that with 3d headphones i don't need it no thanks just let let the song play let it live
1: yeah i do not get the 3d audio thing at all that is absolutely insane (laughs) joe was talking about it he was getting his vaccination just before Christmas, and he was watching the uh, Beatles thing, Get Back. Mm, mm. And he had his 3D audio on his headphones.
2: Wait, uh, that's a lot of things to be doing at once. Watching the Beatles documentary, getting vaccinated, yeah, and listening to stories.
1: Th- <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he, this is such a boring story. It's not even a story. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to walk away from it. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you're at all interested, listeners, then check the Christmas podcast. I think I think it stayed in there, but it's coming out of this one. <laughs> the story is, it was the first time he'd listened to 3D. I'm not telling the story.
2: Yeah, he didn't like it. Is that the punchline? He just
1: thought, oh, it sounds like I haven't got my headphones on because that's what 3D audio does. It sort of localizes the sound and to the, punchline the
2: source. Is, it sounds like I didn't have my headphones on. Yeah, but I'm bummed. Sorry, but where was he getting vaccinated in a sort of fancy cinema?
1: He was watching it on his phone, sitting in the... But he was in the vaccination takes
2: seconds. No, he
1: was in the holding area uh, where you have to sit and, and wait and check that you're not going to fall off your perch and just have a massive embolism after getting the.
2: Perfect, perfect vaccine. Perfect. I see. Okay, sorry. I was imagining him like being massaged, having his like... No, I didn't explain
1: it very well. It's one of the many reasons that it's not a good story.
2: (laughs) Because you weren't listening to it in the first place.
1: (laughs) That's the the story I'm going to lead off with on my Netflix special. My new Netflix special, (laughs) Trashing... The culture wars, pushing buttons, dealing with woke culture, and telling the classic 3D audio story.
0: Hey, you need to move much faster in the street. Come on, I want you to be speedy with your feet. You're wasting my valuable time, I got people to meet. But instead I'm moving very slowly behind your ass. Hey, I'm important, I need to travel first how can you walk so slowly? I'm very important. You are a walking
1: disaster. BAFTAs.
2: Ba- please, please, please. Did you
1: embarrass either. yourself at the BAFTAs?
2: Yeah, just by going, it was an embarrassment.
1: But did you get drunk and try and snog Benedict Cumberbatch or anything he like that? He wasn't
2: there, so I did, there was no harm of that. No, just sort of saying things to people that you've never met before, like, The landscape of British television will look the same without you, and you met them two minutes ago. That's.
1: Did you actually get some FaceTime with Anton Deck?
2: No, sadly not. No, you just. I did a lot of just very sincere, deep chats with people whose names I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that's what happens when you get free Prosecco cocktails. (laughs) (laughs) The bubbles do the (laughs) talking.
1: And next year, of course. You'll be there because you'll be nominated for your show that you've just done with Ellie.
2: Nice, nice segue. Good segue. Thank you, yes. Um, yes, I mean, we're not doing it for the award
1: so What's it called, your show? <laughs>
2: um, weirdly, it's kind of quite controversial Ellie and Natasha.
1: Oh. And how are you spelling Natasha?
2: Okay, we had this conversation earlier. It, it's spelled. As my name is spelled, which is my name, which is Natassia. But the reason why I don't ever refer to myself as Natasia or ever expect him to say is because what's the name that you said to me earlier?
1: Nastasia.
2: Exactly. Which sounds like as you said
1: Nazis and Stasi. <laughs> Two bad organisations.
2: To me, really bad organisations. To me, Natassia sounds like a type of onion. <laughs> <laughs> like on a gardening show, they'd be like, and here are the Natassias. The leaves have a very strong oniony smell, strangely more oniony than the onion itself. And that is why I don't like that name. But it is my name.
1: Yeah. What about Ellie and Tash, you could have called it?
2: So this is a your opening account of worms here, oh. because that's obviously what... Ellie was like, just call Ellie and Tash. And Ollie Cambridge, our amazing producer, he was like, obviously Ellie and Tash, I have strong feelings about this. Tash is a nickname was given to me by yeah. people. I never said, call me Tash. And I love it. I don't mind. it. I don't care. You could call me anything. I don't care. But the thought that I would refer to myself as Tash makes me feel sick.
1: Oh, right. In an official capacity. Yeah.
2: Like, it's like if you, you call this like the ads podcast.
1: Got you. It just
2: makes me cringe. It yeah. really makes me cringe. And we had so many. They're like, "You're overthinking it. You're being an idiot." It's so much quicker. Ellie and Tash, not Ellie and Natasha. But I just was like, if anyone in the world, it's like, I think maybe it's just because I'm a judgmental hog. But like, if someone comes up to me, maybe and is like, "Yeah, yeah, call me D," or like, "Hey, my right, name's right, K," or something, I'm like, "No, it's not. What's your name?" <laughs> I'll decide if I want to be close to you and call you that.
1: Yeah. So you're not having nicknames?
2: No, I don't mind. Like, I if I like, like, I have lots of friends. I know what you mean. Who I'm close to, who yeah. I, like, I call Ellie Ellis or Ells or smell, Ellen. Smell face. Ellie was supposed to be here, but she's keeping COVID alive.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that.
2: She got COVID, but she's, um says she can't be here. And she's very, she's a very sad girl because she really wanted to come.
1: Well, we'll get you both back after you win that BAFTA.
2: Yeah, And we can both, like, open our bum cheeks and (laughs) fart into the microphone, which is what we've always wanted to do together on a podcast.
1: (laughs) By then I will have rebranded and it'll be called Chat Time with Adspads. (laughs) That used to be one of my nicknames.
2: Adspads. A-bot. Wait, Buckles. Everyone calls you Buckles. I
1: more or less, I think I probably gave that nickname to myself.
2: Yeah, see a loser.
1: It's possible that came from listeners when we were on Six Music, me and Joe. And people used to give us funny names there. And maybe that was one. Ellie and Natasha. And it's a sketch show.
2: Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. More than anything, it's a sketch show. We've got a whole host of characters, music videos, amazing cameos from some of our favourite people in the world. So that's very exciting. Good
1: one. Come on, let's have some names. I
2: don't know if you've heard of a little tall guy called Jamie Dimitri. He's in there. He's in there. My wonderful flatmate and one of the strangest best men on earth, Daniel Barker. Um, lots of very lovely people. You know and I, mean? I just, I was away. Was I away? Um, I think you probably went to your drunk, the email. You've got to get on top of your junk, Adam. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, no, we didn't have any parts for... You just
1: banned everybody aged over 35. Mm, mm. How old are you now?
2: 46.
1: <laughs> Is that real melody? Have you seen my phone charger? What? What? I left
0: it right there.
1: What? Did you see it? What? Have you got it? What?
0: Where's my charger gone? What? What?
1: Where's my phone charger? Uh, The battery's about to die. It was on the table. Uh. Round and round in their heads go the chord progressions, the empty lyrics, and the impoverished fragments of tune. And boom goes the brain box at the start of every bar. At the start of every bar. Boom goes the brain box What are your evenings like when you're doing what we do in the shadows, for example? You're out there in... Toronto. Toronto. Mm. I imagine working on a show like that in a foreign city would be quite lonely. You get off set and what do you do? I mean, are there people sort of hanging out or what's well, your we routine? Well, we
2: film at nighttime because it's a vampire show. Vampire show. So. That is
1: horrible. Of course, I hadn't even properly considered mm. that. Maybe we mm. talked about that before and I just forgot. But yeah. what a nightmare... <laughs> I, I've only ever done one week of night shoots in my short acting career and it was a surreal torture session.
2: Oh, it's really intense. It's very intense. Like luckily and I'm not just blowing smoke up the arse of this microphone. It like luckily I'm very good friends with the cast, so like it's you know, you get through it get through it bloody hell. But you know, like it's intense. It's definitely yeah. intense. The most intense thing for me, though, is like cause I don't mind doing nights. I don't mind. It's just being away from home.
1: What's your average day like then?
2: <laughs> when I film what we do in the shadows. Yeah.
1: What's the routine?
2: Wake up late because you've got in late. Oh god. What time? Is, I'd say around eleven. Then I, because I'm on my own, like my boyfriend's not there, my flatmates not there. I like to put on the TV, and the TV is my boyfriend. Yeah. And I, I'm putting on anything from sort of a nineties. TV crime drama, like Murder One. I love that show. Or Are you
1: staying in a hotel or sort of flats?
2: So you stay in these like corporate type, I don't know, like they're sort of like... Self-catered departments. Self-catered departments. Basically, yeah. We're in one of those. And actually, when we filmed series three, it was like in the height of COVID. So Mm. it was completely, everything was shut down. We were literally told, don't go out on the weekends. It's too risky. And I turned my flat into kind of like a tiki cocktail bar. (laughs) (laughs) with just like ice and, you know, like loads of like cocktail things. And we'd have like, you know, the weekend was literally just in one of these apartments and we were having these just like mad nights where we were just like going stir crazy in these apartments.
1: So you had a few good cocktail nights with cast and...
2: Oh, yeah, we are god, We have a good old boogie. We make the most of it. But yeah, it's just intense being away from home and like my dad has Alzheimer's. So it's like there's that thing in your head where you're like, oh God, am I going to get back and he's going to think I'm a shoe? <laughs> <I don't
1: laughs> How's want... he doing your part?
2: He's like, you know, doing what Alzheimer's people do, like getting worse, but in that way, but he's just, he's such a positive person. Like hes uh, he was mad. It's really hard with his Alzheimer's because he's always been mad my whole life. So it's sometimes very hard for me and Jamie to be like, is it the Alzheimer's or is it his personality? <laughs> yeah but he was the one that taught me just laugh like if it's hard if it's stressful or crunchy the best that you can do is make a joke about it and laugh because how else do you get through life because on the whole life is probably like more of a pile of shit than it is like a wonderful slide it's basically a wonderful slide With with, with some shit on it and you can't help it and so I think, he... and you're
1: heading towards it, and you can see it's it's there. So, a toddler's done one further down. Yeah, there's nothing you can do to avoid it.
2: Yeah, there's nothing you can do. The, the shit's going to come at you, like no matter who you are, where you're from, what your background is, is there's going to be a shit sandwich along the way, and you're going to have to gobble it up. And I think <laughs> he was the one because his life has been absolutely insane, like so much tragedy and pain. But he's like, any time you say to him, how's your day been? And you're like, I know that you've sat in a chair not really being able to remember where you are, what you're doing. Or like, you know, you've, you've cooked an egg and forgotten it's on. Or oh, you've cooked and it's turned into dust. And you go, have you had a nice day, Dad? And you go, oh, absolutely fabulous. No complaints here, thank you. So I don't want to be negative about it or be like, oh, woe is me. Poor, poor, you know, it is very sad. But he's dealing with it like an absolute genius pro and he's just always loved i'm gonna get emotional but yeah he's just he's a yeah he's very special person so he has got alzheimer's and it's very hard and being away from him is very hard but he is absolutely always as always just loving life and you're like are you thick like you've got alzheimer's (laughs) he's like bloody marvelous isn't it having a lovely time and then my mum in series four, my mum went up to get the, the Christmas tree down, fell off a ladder, and broke her back. Oh, mate! So that was like, and then on that same day, I found out I was getting evicted from my flat, and I was like, When was this? this November, December to last year when I was filming series four of Shadows. Uh, how's no, your
1: ma doing?
2: She's amazing. She's swimming. She's swimming that back, back to health. Is she, yeah, yeah. It was very stressful. It was a very, very, very stressful day. That
1: is not. A, would you get an email or a phone call?
2: It was like the hellish thing that, you know, you live in fear of, especially when you have, like, mad parents like we do. But Jamie calling me going, hey, Tash, yeah, uh, I don't need to panic, but mum's in hospital. And you're like, oh, no, the worst. That was a sad day of just being like, I want to go home and see my mum. Yeah. But we've got to make television.
1: You've got to make what we do in the shadows.
2: (laughs) The vampire jokes have got to be filmed.
1: Because otherwise, what are the nerds going to do at the next... (laughs) (laughs) Ner- nerdcom
2: <laughs> no but like as I said life is a shit slide and you have to choose which shit you embrace which shit that you get angry about yeah
1: yeah yeah you go for the best quality shit
2: but laugh just laugh all the way down I'm telling you it makes things so much easier yes
0: yes please
2: Yes, I went to see Jerusalem, the play the other oh, night. Oh, yes. Yes. And I went with a good friend.
1: So that is, I always like to just explain everything in case someone sat out there going, I don't know what Jerusalem is.
2: It is a play in London. I guess to me, it's about that thing in like English culture that's sort of like out on the outskirts. And it's kind of about a man who embodies all of that, that sort of like pagany storytelling Weird Stonehenge. That's this is all things that I've interpreted from it. On the on the, it's just about a guy who lives in a caravan who who lives in the forest, and they want to demolish it so they can build some flats. Jez Butterworth is yes. the
1: play, right? and Mark Rylance has become uh, associated with the role of Johnny Rooster Byron.
2: Yes, he's the guy, and it's. It does feel a bit like when you're watching it, like in the way that you might be like, oh, I got to see Freddie Mercury. Yeah. That performance is absolutely amazing. And I hadn't seen it when it was first out on My Flatmates. It's his favourite play. And he was like, you've got to buy tickets. So I got tickets um, and I took my friend and the play is very good. However, there is something about theatre audiences. My flatmate says it's a room full of cauliflowers.
1: (laughs) Meaning,
2: like when you look over the tops, it just looks like a cauliflower patch, just like like curly white.
1: Oh, I see, oldies. <laughs>
2: yeah, like just like angry old people.
1: <laughs> cauliflowers.
2: Because there's so a load of bloody cauliflowers, but it was the cauliflowers were on fire. So basically, in the first, it's three parts 50 minutes, then 60 minutes, then 50 minutes. And in the first half, a woman behind me's phone went off, and the woman next to me went, Oh, and, like, rolled her eyes at me and I was like, mm, yeah. Yeah. And then carried on watching it. <laughs> and then in the second half, the phone went off again. Same it, woman. Same woman's phone went off again behind me and that you heard... <sighs> <sighs> and I was like, you know, it's just... In, I, I don't think she... Anyway, I was just like, you know, I'm not going to tart. Like, what's the point? It's just making more noise. Then the phone went off again oh, and the woman man. next to me went... Turned around and said to the woman... And it was that very intense went Excuse me, can you learn how to use your phone properly, please? Learn
1: how to use it, not just turn it off, no. but learn how to use it and properly. And the
2: woman, the woman whose phone went off, who I thought would be like, I'm so sorry, like I'm sorry, comes over and they were having this argument in my ear over my right shoulder, and she went, "Please don't assume I don't know how to use my phone." <laughs> I know
1: how to use all the things. I can do the torch. I can turn off Bluetooth with just a couple of taps. I can do copy and paste. I can do airdrop. If I wanted to, I could airdrop a couple of photos of me flipping you the bird very easily with just two taps.
2: But just so, then then the second half ends and you have five minutes to like stretch your legs. so. So her
1: phone's gone off three times by this point. Three
2: times. So... It, the second up comes come to end, you're able to stretch your legs and the woman in front of us turned around to the woman next to me and went, what woman had her phone going off?
1: Woman. Come and, on, sisters. And I
2: know, I know. I mean, come on. And uh, and then the woman next to me went, it was her behind us. <laughs> and then the woman whose phone went off, this is all happening so close to my ear. And I was crying with laughter at this point <laughs> because it was a really sincere moment at the play and they're having this like heated, breathy argument. And then the woman behind me goes... I would like the chance to explain myself. Whoa. And so so the woman next to me goes, go on then, try me. And she goes, well, the thing is, I have two young sons and they're at home with a babysitter. And I know you're not supposed to have your phone on in the theatre, but I had my phone set that only if they called would it ring. And that obviously happened in the first half and it wasn't good. I get that. But then we were in the second half and I could tell we were coming to the end of the second half. So I simply turned my phone on again and all my alerts came through. So that's what happened. <laughs> Please don't assume I don't know how to use my phone. <laughs> wow. I mean, she it was, kept it together pretty well. Uh, and, they, and like, I was so flabbergasted at that because it was like me lighting a cigarette going, don't assume I don't know I'm not allowed to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't assume I don't know I'm not allowed to smoke. No, what happened is I wanted to. <laughs> so I, I wanted a cigarette. So I lit it. <laughs> So for me personally, I wanted a cigarette. So I did. So please don't assume I don't know that this is against the rules of this establishment. Then my friend, who was also struggling with it, he then and then the final straw was he was like, I need to go and have a get some fresh air outside. And then he was just like hovering on the stairs, just waiting for me, like literally waiting 30 seconds for me to like get my bag and stuff. And then this man shouted at him, well, if you're going to go, then go.
1: Whoa. And that
2: sent us over the edge and we left.
1: <laughs> you left before the end?
2: Well, I just was like, I can't with this stress next to me, these like angry people. Yeah. And um, I booked tickets to sit again.
1: That sounds like you got unlucky. I, I went to the theatre a few times uh, recently, or at least more than normal, because uh, I met a playwright called Alistair McDowell and we went to see... A, I've got a theatre buddy... Mm. Uh, And every now and again, we'll say, should we go back to the theatre? Let's go to the theatre. And he's more proactive than I am. And um, he took us to see... Well, the the thing is that he took us originally to see Network, the stage production of Network with Bryan Cranston.
2: Oh, come on.
1: And Network is one of my favourite films anyway. Mm. And this theatre production was just phenomenally good. And so I think I read some reviews where they said, oh, no, it's not proper theatre because there's too much tricksy tech stuff going on and mm. breaks the fourth wall and they use lots of cool video effects and oh, what, like that. Oh,
2: what they used television and film and it made the theatre better. Hmm, what a surprise. Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> But it was so good and intensely enjoyable and stimulating and memorable. And so after that, we were like, let's go and see lots more theatre. So we've tried to go and see more theatre. And we went to see a couple of Alistair's plays, uh, but they were at the Royal Court. So I don't know if you've Mm. seen anything at the Royal Court, but that's not Cauliflower Central.
2: No, it's it's sort of like urban, cool. It's Guardian Reader Central. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, And um,
1: it was good, though, actually. Part of the reason I like Alistair's plays is that they're not that long.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, what are you looking at for Jerusalem? Ten years? Oh,
2: ten. It was, I think, 9.5 to be fair to the play, but it's, yeah, 9.5 years. So you've got to take a full decade off any sort of life.
1: At least you're getting breaks every hour or so.
2: Yeah, every hour they give you a break. But it's a commitment. But, you know, that's theatre.
1: Yeah. Also, you know. I mean, it is legendarily amazing. And Mark Rylance is... Um... Yes,
2: it's a... It's a mas- it, it, I think yeah there are certain things aren't there there's are certain pieces of art and stuff that sort of transcend any sort of anyone's taste and you just go well that's objectively absolutely brilliant. It's so cuz in my heart obviously I'm I'm pro theatre. Hmm.
1: Your story unfortunately will probably have put a few more people <laughs> off theatre. Oh
2: I had a dream I was back
0: at school putting on a play with my friends. It was the opening night. But I did not know my lines. We had spent months and months painting sets and making costumes and posters for the play. But we had not rehearsed the play. I didn't know what I was supposed to say. And yet the rest of the cast knew all of their words. I
1: was still asking what I should say And suddenly I knew what to do I sat on stage and did April How are you doing? I'm uh, good. Do you need a toilet break? No. Are you no. emotionally fraught? No. How's your mental health?
2: Mm, how's my mental health? Mm, oh, that's a very deep, but very big question. No, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. This room's beautiful. I was just thinking... Of, if Ellie had been here, this probably would have been a lot funnier. But what can you do? No, you're she's,
1: fine. You're good. I'm already doing the calculations and we, we've already gone past the
2: Oh, good. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Ellie was like, just text me saying, Are you talking about the show? Have you talked about the show enough? <laughs> and I was just like, Oh, God, have I? Have I? What? Is there
1: anything else you need to say about the show? You've done the whole, she's brilliant. She's the funniest person I know. Yep, tick. Um, <laughs> you've explained what it is.
2: It's a, it's a sketch show. It's starting on the 21st of June. And um, so there's lots of funny anecdotes. Oh, <laughs> uh, one thing we did learn is obviously when you're in a writer's room and you're just like tapping away, sometimes you just write stuff in the script to make each other laugh. And like an entire sketch was completely unusable because... We couldn't think of an ending for it. And our producer, Ollie, who actually, actually saying that, he did, he added additional material and wrote a couple of the sketches. So it, that was unfair for me to say that it was just me and Ellie. But yeah, he was the only other person that wrote on it. Ollie, we couldn't think of an ending. And he went, well, just trapdoor about one of the characters. We'll just trapdoor the character. And we were like, ha, 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 really made us laugh at the moment. Cut to us being on set and we hadn't changed it. Try on a very low budget.
1: What's trapdoring mean?
2: You don't know what trapdoring means? No. You know, like like when someone like it's like you know some like a trap door opens and you fall in.
1: That's literally it.
2: So like you know like a comedy thing to me is like I say something really bad on this show and you trap door on me.
1: Oh, okay, right.
2: You like press a button, the door. The a floor, bit like
1: being yanked off the stage by the crook
2: of the neck, but it's like you know not Mackenzie Crook, but no, not by Mackenzie Crook, who's also in Jerusalem. Who's also in Jerusalem? Um, you know, like right now, you'd press a button and the the trap door would be released and I'd fall down it. And then you cut, you cut to, <laughs> we were on set with an entire crew of people, actors being like, and being, then being like, we couldn't get the floor to turn into a trapdoor because we have 50p to make this sketch. Um, okay, how can we do it? And just like trying to improvise. And then obviously the sketch was completely unusable because the ending was trapdoor her. That was the punchline.
1: That's a CG job, surely. Yeah,
2: but we're talking about BBC comedy sketch show. Like, Come on. But it, they just, you know, and like Ollie was like cycling around East London trying to find a green screen so we could get this trapdoor to work. Then it was like pressing the button and the camera. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a what? That was just a stupid joke that Ollie said that made us laugh. We put it in, forgot to take it out. Oh. So what? those are screenwriters. Write what you want in the show, not what's going to make you laugh in the read through. Yes, that's my sage. You need advice.
1: someone with a, a practical head on to say. That, I think that was always my job. I think when we were doing the Adam and Joe show, was Joe coming up with a crazy, fun ideas, <laughs> and me saying, I, just, "I can't believe that we'll ever be able to do that." Though.
2: Yeah, yeah, It's a bit boring. No, I was. I'm definitely. I think I'm probably more of that with my me and Ellie. Like, I remember she wrote a sketch about someone doing the limbo, and by the end of it, the person turns himself into a piece of paper. And I was like, right, okay, you know, great idea, funny, ha ha ha, Hardy, ha. How are we going to turn this person to a piece of paper? And then you feel like a horrible sort of mean, like miserable sort of...
1: Again, I would refer you to uh, the world of computer graphics and technology. (laughs) Because they can do all sorts of things now. Have you seen Star
2: Wars? (laughs) No! No, 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 no! You left social media, didn't you? Yeah, you made the big exit. I did, yeah. Well, I see your brother. I'm in the trenches with you. When did you go? I went after uh, summer 2020, I think. Around around then, I like basically, I was getting my flatmate, who is a wide open door into my life. Sadly, yeah, um, because he's so overly likes everyone and trusts everyone and is friends with everyone and very chatty and. If he gets a DM from someone, he's responding and that sort of thing. It turned out he was getting catfished by a number of people to try and get to me. Hmm. And that was really scary and like, ooh, yuck.
1: So what's that? Um, I sort of know what catfishing... People pretending to be someone else to...
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not cat... I guess it was just like, you know, profiles of quite attractive looking girls were liking or following lots of boys that I follow (laughs) Mm -hmm. and trying to use the weakness of the penis to (laughs) (laughs) the weak nature of a penis to get somehow invited to come to my flat. I don't know. And the penises
1: were seeing the nice profile pictures. Well,
2: this is the thing. The penises were seeing the nice profile pictures. Most of them were saying, well, this is odd. This person's posted like three photos you know, why am I going to respond to this mad message? But my beautiful darling flatmate, wide open door, was like, hey, <laughs> how you doing? Come to
1: a barbecue. And
2: um, we were doing our daily hour of walking and he was taking loads of photos of our local park. And I was like, what are you doing? We've been here like... And I was like, who are you sending these to? And he was like, well, you're going to be... You're going to say it's a bad, it's just <laughs> a bad idea. <laughs> but um, I've connected with a lovely girl in America... And I'm just showing her, you know, where I live. And I was like, oh, that's that's fine. You know, it's bloody, we're in a pandemic. Like, get joy wherever you can get it. And um, I was like, let me see her. And I was like, oh, bloody hell, she's, you know, she's... Out of your league. (laughs) She's wearing gamer headphones, so she's your dream person. Wow. Yeah. And then I was like, some of these photos, I was like, she hasn't got many, eh, there's something off about this. And she, he was like, yeah. And, and he was like, she's a big fan of yours. And I was like, oh, okay. And then um, I was like, let me just have a look at her profile. And so I was looking at it and I was like, why does she follow that boy I went on a date with, like, five years ago? Like, why is she following my friend who's, like, you know, like, if she follows my brother, whatever, he's on television, fine, or, you know, someone else, K-Van or something. And I was like, it's weird that she's following these people. And he was like, God, that is really weird. I'll just message her Um, because they were in constant contact and had been for, like, a couple of weeks, and he had invited her to stay in London. No way. And then she, like, turned on him. You know, like, why are you asking me these questions? Who the hell do you think you are? And by the way, I said I was a fan of Natasha, but I actually hate her. And I think she's really ugly. Whoa. And so then we like, he'd been speaking to her on the phone. So we reverse did her number because I've watched the show Catfish. So uh-huh. I did what they did. And we tracked it to a car dealership in Houston, Texas. What? And I think we found her photo. And she, she was just a, a much older woman.
1: What so. was she hoping was going to happen, though?
2: I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea. But, like, come to the flat. Like, beg, be best friends. Hmm. I mean, I'm looking for some friends. So, yeah, weird. And there was just stuff that happened a couple more times. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, my flat was just... I mean, he was he was going through COVID. He was just looking for any sort of happiness he could get, and um, I that became really weird. Like that yeah. was like oh, like yucky. Like I don't I don't know. I would this.
1: imagine a problem that generally happens to women rather than men.
2: Mm, yeah, I mean, yeah. I know my brother gets a lot of mad, mad oh, does he? messages. Yeah, yeah. Well, he gets more things where it's sort of like, hey, man, um, just letting you, just like, sorry, just thought I'd swing this by your way. I'm going to make a show about Sophie and Al from Staff. Yeah, I was thinking, like, it'd be really good if uh, you could give me some ideas for it. <laughs> sorry, God, I'm, it's just like, I've got this great idea, so I'm just going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> like, cheers, man. And you're like, oh, uh, okay.
1: We're doing a new series of Staff Let's Flats. So I don't know if you, do you want to play... You could play the main guy.
2: Yeah, or, yeah, like, honestly, like, whatever. Like, I'm sure I could sort you out a bit of cash for it. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I just bumped
1: into you at the supermarket. I was backing out of a parking space and I hit your car. I'm sorry.
0: I didn't mean to.
1: But you're angry now, very angry now. And that's making me very angry, too.
0: No, fuck you.
1: I was thinking of you recently, and I don't know exactly why. Maybe you can explain it to me better than I can, because we went to Rome, me and my family. I'm
2: very sexy in Italian.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been to Rome?
2: No, I haven't. It's pretty to Rome. good. No, I haven't. I've never love been. To go. First
1: time to Rome. My daughter's obsessed with Roman and Greek mythology, and
2: uh, I should talk to her.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so we went to Rome. It was good. It really does the job. It's pretty overwhelmingly impressive. Mm -mm. There was a sad moment when I got ripped off by a guy. There's lots of hustlers there who are sort of jumping up to you and acting all friendly Mm -mm. and um, saying, oh, no, I don't want it. They got quite sophisticated now. No, I don't want to sell you anything because I was like, no, I'm fine. Thanks. As soon as this guy ran out. Geniuses. And and he's like, no, no, I don't want to sell you anything. I'm just happy. I'm just in a good mood, man. I just I like your trainers. I was like, oh, thanks. And I totally fell for it. And he was like, uh, yeah, I'm just in a good mood. My wife just had a baby. This is all in an accent, right? I'm not going to do the accent. But he's an Italian guy. And um, I was like, oh, congratulations. He's like, yeah, yeah, look. He showed me a photo of him with this baby on his phone. He's oh. like, I'm just in a good mood. I want you to have this uh, bracelet. I was like, no, nah, I'm fine. He's like, no, no, I'm not. I don't want money for it. Just, Just mm, have it. Mm. I'm in a good mood, man. And then, like... Someone's flipped a switch. His face just changed, and he went. Um, so, could I have some money for the baby? <gasps> <laughs> and wow. so I was thinking, like, I was so sort of upset because I felt so embarrassed that I'd been taken in completely,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and also indignant. I was just like, "Fuck off, man! What are you doing? Yeah, I, okay, I appreciate it. you need the money." What, Life's tough, but there's got to be better gigs than this. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I I wasn't ready to have a big row about it. I was embarrassed in front of my family. I just wanted to get out of there. So I reach into my you
2: gave it the keys to your house
1: pocket, <laughs> and all I had was a 20 euro note. So I would get that out, and I was going to ask for change, and he just sort of grabbed it and went off and that was the end of that thing.
2: Oh man. I do think though they could do an amazing series of The Apprentice where they go around and find because the amount like I when I went to Inja mm. the amount of times and like it was the one thing that had been like, I'm not going to get they're not going to get me. Yeah. Cut to me being like uh, getting a tuk-tuk somewhere. But you find yourself at three shops all selling the exact same thing. And you're like, what? How has this? What? How? <laughs> wait, I was going to a park. like How was this? And then like when I went to the Taj Mahal They know so well that everyone wants the Diana picture. They know that if you're English, you want that sitting alone, pondering such a beautiful building. Yeah. And so you're like trying to take photos of yourself or with your friend or whatever. And then they come up to you and they're like, "No, let me take it. I can take it. And you're like, oh, thank you so much. And they're like, oh, now, (laughs) you know, now you could do a really fun one where you hold the top of it like it looks like you're holding the Taj Mahal and you're like oh that would be really funny actually <laughs> brilliant I'm holding the Taj Mahal and then like you've like honestly a hundred photos you like I've done a full photo shoot and then they're like a hundred rupees if you want your camera back
1: oh come on mate and,
2: and you're like totally worth it that was the best photo shoot of my life <laughs> <laughs> you did a photo shoot where it looks like I made where the Taj Mahal sitting in the palm of my hand what more could I want as a human being <laughs>
1: You're a genius.
2: <laughs> You're a creative genius. Have you ever heard of Rankin? Do you want me to set you up with some <laughs> studio time in the UK? You made it look like I was squeezing the Taj Mahal between my hands. That's what everyone wants.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of you, though, because we went to the Vatican.
2: Oh, and I'm a big building.
1: And uh, I'm a
2: big old holy building. You're
1: the most devout Catholic I know.
2: Mm, mm-hmm, mm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Now, I don't know your, your spiritual status, but um, I was thinking of you because in there, it's pretty good, by the way. It's impressive really? stuff. Really? Yeah, yeah. Nice. They've, got a lo- they've amassed a lot of quite impressive treasure in there. Mm. They had the Emperor Nero's bath, There.
2: Come on. And
1: it's like a a big red marble bowl, is what it looks like. It looks like a giant marble salad bowl.
2: That's what I call my vagina, big marble (laughs) bowl.
1: (laughs) And that's why I thought of you.
2: Big cold red marble bowl. Come and put your salad in it. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) That's not why I thought of you. No, no,
2: carry on.
1: (laughs) Although I don't exactly know why I did think of you. We had a guide. She was brilliant. And she was telling us all about the history of the place and what this means and what Mm. that means. And she was telling us about Nero's bath. And she said Nero's wife used to bathe in there in donkey milk.
2: Here we go. Here we go. And famously, I call my poo donkey milk. I've always called my poo donkey milk.
1: And I don't know why, but I thought of you when she was, because I was thinking, that's disgusting. <laughs> And I know, obviously, I've heard Cleopatra used to do the same. How sort of thing. How are
2: they getting that much milk from a donkey? Like that is—it's
1: everything about it is bad.
2: And are they warming it up, or is it just you know? Why would you do donkey it? Donkey temperature milk.
1: So apparently, and I said to our guide, like, why did they used to take baths in donkey milk or ass's milk or whatever mm. it was?
2: Ass milk. Ass That's milk. what I call my. Poop. I, I
1: think they don't really. They. She said donkey milk specifically. I think because she didn't want to say ass milk. <laughs>
2: Too much. I make a lot of <laughs> ass milk in the morning. After your coffee, it's just waterball ass milk.
1: Maybe I was thinking of you because I know you're into sort of your beauty regimens, right?
2: Oh, come on, Adam. I'm just a humble angel farmer.
1: Yeah, but you used to buy all like crazy no, stuff I'm off obsessed, the internet. No,
2: I'm obsessed with, I'm obsessed with products right. changing my life. Yeah, yeah, I am 100%. So I
1: was thinking if anyone's going to bathe in <laughs> ass milk...
2: <laughs> It's going to be tough. Oh, my God. Yeah. So currently, my housemate, he is, I'm a sucker for, you know, like, with coxial Q10 and um, cereal center space, um, you can can get rid of your eyes. If you don't want them, we can get rid of them. And I'm like, oh, my God, amazing. Um, Whereas he's very into the, like, very natural products. And he's stopped using any sort of anything with chemicals in it. And he was in my sketch show and he came on set. I don't know why I'm telling this story. He came on set for the first day and it was a sketch with me, Ellie, and my brother and him in it. And he <laughs> stanks, so much that my brother was like, I've never said this before in my life. But brother, that is a deep stench. <laughs> just before you're about to stop filming. And it turns out he'd used this new soap that has like completely natural, basically just like oil and resin or something. And he was using tallow oil, which is basically beef dripping for his skin. And he turned himself into a, like a steak dinner, basically a kebab. <laughs> oh! And uh, it was a deep, dark stench. So Horrible. Yeah, basically, this is me saying chemicals are great. Forget the natural stuff, man. You're going to stink.
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I would think that Nero's wife and Cleopatra, they, they must have just smelt of extreme puke.
2: Can we talk about this? Because donkey milk, right? You're looking at the donkey. It's a hairy-faced ass. You know, it's a hairy animal. What was the thinking behind, ah, the but the milk, hmm, the milk?
1: Well, usually these innovations come about because of some sort of accident, right? I mean, that's surely how... Everything got started originally it was so su- someone did something by accident and thought. Hmm.
2: So it was her servant basically being like.
1: Someone falls doing in the milk,
2: getting this donkey's this donkey's thought yeah. to busting
1: right, and they get milk on their hands, and it's like my hands are very soft, so nice. I and can't soft. believe
2: this. It's so soft. I yes. can't. Oh my god! It's because beautiful
1: and nice and soft with the it's milk. It's not because
2: I've basically sandpapered them with the amount of work I've been doing every day with all the rocks. So, I've taken away any lies. It's basically just open flesh. Must be the donkey milk.
1: This is Cleopatra's genuine accent.
2: Oh, I was being Cleopatra's servant who'd. um, She's been
1: captured from Greece.
2: Yeah, that's what I was sort of interpreting it as. Yeah. And then Cleopatra's like getting a massage from her. She's
1: Egyptian, right?
2: I don't even want to.
1: (laughs) No. We won't go there. Um, So, I think that's what must have happened. By accident or design, someone discovered the beneficial properties of uh, the ass milk for the skin Mm. i think the guide said to us there's some sort of exfoliating property it's google time
2: okay i'm giving you a bet on the table next time we do the podcast Mm. someone will have created there will be a product on the market containing donkey milk
1: it's surely not though it's not ethical
2: Oh, ethics. Okay, here we go. <laughs> why, the, why does the donkey need all its milk? Selfish.
1: Um, when milk sours, the milk sugar lactose is converted by bacteria into lactic acid. When alpha hydroxy acids, such as lactic acid, are applied to the skin, they cause the surface layer to peel off. I was right. Uh, exfoliating leaving new, smoother, blemish-free skin underneath.
2: Knock, knock. I've got a question. Why does this not happen with cow's milk then? You don't see... Why was she not bathing in cow's milk? More donkeys?
1: Maybe because they were drinking the cow's milk and the donkey milk was too Exfoliant. rank.
2: They were going exp- to it has the. It throat. still has
1: the exfoliating properties, but to drink, it's going to make you spew.
2: We use lactic acid. Us beauty fans use lactic acid in a lot of our exfoliating products, are we using donkey milk and it's being sold to us as lactic acid?
1: Maybe. Can you drink donkey milk?
2: Can you make a flan with donkey milk? (laughs) (laughs) Can you make a flan with donkey milk? (laughs) Donkey
1: milk has properties that make it a high-quality addition to a healthy diet. It's very nutritious, and people who can't tolerate cow's milk can often drink donkey milk. It can't replace prescribed medicines, but it may reduce certain symptoms like inflammation or uncontrolled blood sugar. Okay,
2: here we go. We're going to go Sigmund Freud here. Blah, 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 donkey milk, blah, blah, blah. Classic Compared Freud. with milk from other dairy animals like cows, goats, sheep, buffalo, and camels, donkey milk most closely resembles human breast milk. <sighs> She's bathing in mama's wet juice. <laughs> She's bathing in mama's white water. In the white waters of mama's titties. <laughs> Nature's champagne. <laughs>
1: Wait, this is an advert for Squarespace. I took one look at that website and I knew that the woman I have been living with is not my wife. I'd never been any good with computers, so when I showed the website that I had built to sell my paintings to Tom, he just refused to believe that I had made it. And he started telling people that the government had taken his wife and replaced her with an AI. But Debbie had made the website herself. After hearing an advert on a podcast, she had visited squarespace.com buxton and done a free trial. They had all these professional-looking templates there, so I chose one I liked and I started typing into it. And then I dragged in some pictures, I uploaded a video. Before I knew it, I had a website. I've seen the Matrix. I know that you need big green numbers and a long leather coat to build a website. It's just not that easy. But it was that easy. And when Debbie decided she wanted to purchase her new website, she remembered the offer code from the podcast. I typed in Buxton, and I saved 10%. I was jumping up and down and shouting in your face at Tom, and it was around then that he started with the conspiracy theory. Why don't you go to squarespace.com Buxton, Tom, and you could see how easy it is to build your own website. Because that's
0: exactly what they want me to do. Continue. Hello, hello.
1: Hey, welcome back, podcats. Tash Dimitriou there. Thank you so much to her for her time and good humour as ever. As I said at the beginning, there are links in the description of today's podcast to her show with Ellie White on the iPlayer. I was really laughing watching it earlier today. And they're in uh, handy, bite-sized 15-minute chunks. It's the way the kids like it these days. Little 15-minute fun bags. Is that a good expression? What else have we got in the links? There is a link to the YouTube channel of Dan Hawkins, Bass Supremo. He's a multi-instrumentalist, but long-time listeners will know that Dan occasionally helps me out with bass parts for some of my jingles. And it's a service that he provides for a small fee to anyone putting together a bit of music who needs some bass played by an actual talented human being. But Dan also provides on his YouTube channel bass tuition and lessons and tips. So anyway, thanks very much to Dan. Oh yes, I mentioned another music-related YouTube video. Steve... Teraberry, Teraberry, T E W R E, Berry. And he is a young American man. And one of those people that I was describing to Tash at the beginning of our conversation when she got so bored that she stopped listening, uh, who on YouTube does these comedy sketch slash tutorials about how to sound like a particular artist. I've put a link to the video that he does about how to write an Ed Sheeran song. And the thing about Steve is that he's got energy to spare. So it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, no disrespect, Steve, but it's a very strong flavour, what he does. And um, it's sort of superficially incredibly childish and inane. And I'd go so far as to say annoying but he does it with tremendous skill. And when it comes to actually analyzing what makes certain artists tick, he's very insightful. And he's also extremely talented as a musician. So when he puts together his version of an Ed Sheeran song, kind of folk pop or acoustic pop song, it's really very plausible. But yeah, Steve Teraberry. Makes Weird Al Yankovic look incredibly chill. And then the other links in the description are to do with the KLF. Because last week I was talking to John Higgs, the writer. We talked about the KLF. And although I did put a link in the description, I didn't actually say in the outro that there's a documentary about the KLF that came out fairly recently. It was on TV last night, in fact. I think maybe on Sky Arts. And it's called Who Killed the KLF? And it's really pretty good if you'd like to find out more about their career and what made them tick. The burning of the million quid. Machine gunning the audience at the Brit Awards. All the antics of Bill Drummond and Jimmy Courty using lots of previously unheard audio interviews with both. Drummond and Courty. I'll put a link to the trailer in the description, but you can rent it on YouTube, I think. Anyway, it's good. But watching that documentary led me into the world of Chris Atkins, who was the director of Who Killed the KLF. And I looked up what he'd done before. He's made a few documentaries... But most recently, he has published a book called A Bit of a Stretch, which was about his time in prison in the UK. He got involved with a dodgy accounting scheme in the course of trying to raise finances for one of his films called Star Suckers, about the media's fixation with fame and celebrity. Anyway, because he got involved with this dodgy accountancy scheme, he was busted, got given a 5-year prison sentence, and was sent to Wandsworth prison, one of the UK prisons with the very worst reputation for drugs and substandard living conditions and inefficiency and take your pick. It sounds bad. Doesn't sound fun. And Chris writes all about this. He kept a diary, but as well as being a riveting read about how he coped with the experience of going to prison and being separated from his wife and young son, the whole book is a plea for prison reform, but very entertainingly told. Very sad as well when it comes to the way that mental illness is treated in prison and the way that the conditions and the nature of incarceration and the legal system just make it very unlikely that people are going to get anything positive out of the experience or be any less likely to re-offend. I think it was quite a big hit, this book, when it came out a couple of years back. I'm listening to the audio book, which Chris reads himself. He's quite sort of indomitable and upbeat, way more than I would be in that kind of situation i think but i recommend it it's a good interesting listen a bit of a stretch by chris atkins oh and finally finally don't forget to check out my youtube channel there's a link in the description but you can get there easily from my website and uh, have a look at my welcome video that i made with rosie Earlier this year, a few people commenting, wow, he's really wrapped up considering it's midsummer. Well, that's just the nature of time. I actually made the video in January this year, thinking that everything was going to be sorted with my YouTube channel by the time I started putting out new episodes. But, well, you know me, things don't always move as smoothly as that. But have a look and see. I think they've started putting out, when I say they, it is a company called Little Dot who are helping me with the YouTube channel and regularly uploading short clips with various guests as well as some full episodes from the archives on my YouTube channel. And they will just keep on flopping out every few days. And eventually I'll get round to putting up some new little videos and bits and pieces as well. Maybe some more stuff with Rosie. Okay, that's enough. Thank you very much indeed. Once again, to Tash Dimitriu. Thanks to Seamus Murphy-Mitchell for his work on this episode and general production support. Thank you, Seamus. Thanks to Acast for their continued hard work and support with the podcast. Thanks very much to you for coming back. And listening, Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you can make it to one of those bug shows in the next few weeks. It would be very nice to see you. I'm going to propose a hug if you think that kind of thing is embarrassingly cheesy or lowbrow or just inappropriate. Then bye and see you next time. But for the rest of you, come here. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Till next time, be careful, take it easy out there. I love you, bye!